Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Transatlantic Confusion, the podcast with me, Devin Moncada, and my best friend and co-host, Camille Claussen, as we navigate the world around us from two different sides of the Atlantic. How are you doing today, Camille? I am tired, but I am good. How are you, Devin? I am also tired. So to (laughs) hit it right off, we're going to just have like a a chill episode today to be completely frank with all of it. It has been a very rough week, Mm -hmm. like not so much in terms of like personally, even though it was really hectic for me at work in kind of a stressful way. But like in terms of the news and in terms of COVID, neither of us have COVID, but it's just the news about it is super stressful still. And um, yeah, so we're just going to have like a fun episode, just going to hang out and chill. And if that's kind of what you're into this week, follow along. We we're welcome to have you along for the ride. But I guess to kind of run off with it, how how is the rest of your week, Camille? Good. I am on holiday as of this past Thursday. So when this comes out, I will have been on holiday for like a week. So um, it's been good. I've been I've been pretty busy for personal reasons. So I've been, you know, I mean, it's been okay. Everybody's okay. But um, I don't know, I guess I just I just it's it's weird because, you know, it's like when you've been working a lot. This used to happen to me when I was in school as well. As soon as there was a break, it's like all of the exhaustion that you've accumulated during the quarter, during the semester or whatever, as soon as you're on holiday, it all comes crashing down like an avalanche and you're like, boom, dead. Like you're just tired all the time. Yeah, I, I call it the summer slump. It feels like both in terms of news and in personal energy and just like where everyone's at, like late Mm -hmm. summer is when it just kind of like not crashes because crashes sounds like too violent or like too high energy, but just kind of like slumps. And I'm, I'm kind of there. Um, I forgot you were on holiday and I am so happy for you. Uh, I'm also to shout out. I'm very thankful for the French healthcare system. I'm glad that uh, (laughs) your stuff this week to keep it vague uh, went well. So yay. Celebration. I know that yes. sounds really ominous, people, but it's not. It's just no, no, it's, it's Camille doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah, because, you know, whatever. I don't know who listens to the podcast. So, um, but uh, yeah, so no, all is good. All is good. And uh, I went I went to uh, go shopping for food in this Korean store that my coworker showed me. And oh, my God, it is so good. And I've been eating like spicy ramen for the past two days with like I added mushrooms and bok choy and like a bunch of stuff and like tofu and it's like this spicy broth and I put like gochujang in there I'm not sure I pronounced that well but it's like that red chili paste and close enough like the flavors are like boom and uh I've just been on this cloud of like full belly (laughs) what is it isn't there like a saying in English like full hearts blah blah can't lose something like that Huh. Um, 
I feel like I know what you're talking about, actually, right? but I can't remember it. Um, the first thing that popped into my brain, which is not applicable, is barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. But that's a little <laughs> sexist. <laughs> yeah, so... that was. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not. What is it? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's a song. Apparently, it's "Clear Eyes, Full Heart, Can't Lose" by T. I haven't heard. Who that. are you? Hmm. I thought it was like a, an express. Anyway, well, I'm gonna change it and say, um, "Full bellies, full bellies, can't lose." <laughs> That's it. That's how I've been feeling the past two days. I'm so full I of vaguely, and I'm so tired. <laughs> yeah, I vaguely have a saying of um, "full bellies" or "full stomach makes warm make warm hearts" or something like that. Hmm. Oh, this one is from Friday Night Lights that I've never seen and I've barely heard about. That disco movie with John Travolta? No, that's Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> that's the wrong day of oh. movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Friday Night Lights is like a football thing in the States. Oh, well, then I really uh, yeah. don't know. I, I, don't, I, don't know. I, love, I love that. <laughs> Isn't that the movie with John Travolta? <laughs> maybe you should be the one watching a movie a week <laughs> for your probably references. probably there are some things that i just don't know but yeah plus you like i had this big doubt for a second that i was wrong oh <laughs> anyway but yeah. so so I've, yeah. been, I've been i've been good i've been good basically i've just been That's eating sleeping awesome. and doing well. Yes. Uh, can we talk about food for a sec? Because it's been a hot thing since we've talked about food. So we're going to yeah. indulge a little bit. Um, you mentioned tofu. God, I, I really love tofu. One mm. of my favorite meals in this past week is I take like some extra firm tofu. I cube it after you press it and drain it and all of the hoopla around it. And then mm. I coat it in cornstarch and I fry it up a little bit in like a tablespoon of oil. And it gets all crispy and like nice and golden and then i serve it in a bowl with rice mm. and like uh green beans honestly green beans corn and a little bit of chili powder that you saute in the leftover oil you pour that over the rice then you put the tofu and then like two tablespoons of uh it's it's like this kosher like sauce brand so it's called uh soy ve um soy ve teriyaki sauce uh mm -hmm. and it is it is very, very good, very filling, honestly pretty cheap now that I'm thinking about it. I love like super filling, healthy, cheap meals, which, you know, who doesn't, I guess. Uh, so <laughs> I've really been loving that. Although today I had this for breakfast and for lunch because it was the first time I had it. I was super excited and I was so impressed with how well it turned out. I think I told mm -hmm. you about it. Yeah. It's this Mexican breakfast called migas. Or um, chaliques, but I think everyone just calls them migas, everyone that I know. Um, and basically what you do, it's super simple, but it's so good. You take like uh, like a couple corn tortillas and you tear them up into little pieces, like little squares. Mm -hmm. uh, you put a little bit of oil in a pan and you fry up the tortillas till they get crispy. I added in some chili powder, some cumin, and just like a splash of tahini, which is like this spice like seasoning thing with a little bit of lime in it. Then you beat up two eggs. Uh, you put some butter in the pan with the chips because there's not that much oil. 
you melt the butter, you pour in the eggs, and you scramble the eggs in the tortillas. And then it's just like this... Mm, it's so good. It's like... Basically, it's it's tortillas and eggs, tortillas con huevos, and it's super simple. It's very good, and it's honestly pretty healthy based on what I can tell. But it's like a very it's a very standard and very like uh, like prevalent Mexican breakfast. And for some reason, I I have been on like a kick where I've been learning more about like Mexican food, which mm-hmm. you know can't hurt. Uh, I am Mexican. I just don't know that much about it, so that's why I studied Spanish in college. And it is so good, and I really recommend it. I mean, you can get tortillas in Paris, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 Uh, So, yeah. I mean, I'm still on that kick of trying to eat healthy, and um, I've been doing pretty well at it. I got this good calorie counter app, which... I know it's like it's not for everyone, but it's it's working for me because it's letting me feel like I have freedom and like if I really want a cheeseburger, I'm gonna have a cheeseburger and I'm gonna count it and then I'll just adjust the rest of the day accordingly. And I did that last night. It was actually really great. Um, and yeah, that I just love good. food. Mm-hmm. Also, now that I remember, the weather's been turning here, so it went very suddenly from like high 70s mid 80s and like blaring sunshine smoke because apparently that's now the world we live in Mm um to being like mid 60s low 50s or high 50s uh here and like some cloud cover it even rained a little bit yesterday so now my brain is naturally turning toward fall i can't wait for fall i want the leaves to fall i want to wear big cozy sweaters and drink warm tea and i'm gonna break out all the fall recipes like i have a really good um potage parmentier that i really love like the french potato soup and wait 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 i'm sorry what you've never had potage parmentier the hell is that I've had Ashley Parmentier, that shepherd's pie, but soup, did you say okay. potage? Potage uh, Parmentier. Oui. Oh. Uh, um, okay, here's the thing. Uh, oh, anytime you hear a French dish with Parmentier in it, it has potatoes. Uh, and that's because the person who popularized potatoes in French cuisine, his name was uh, Parmentier. So, like, potage parmentier, and I learned this through the Julia Child cookbook, uh, it's this really famous, like, French potato soup. So, like, you boil a bunch of potatoes with, like, some broth and some leeks, like, potato leek soup, that's what it is. And you can add oh, a little yeah. bit of cream well, in well, I'm, I'm sorry, but... I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to rain on your parade, but why can't you just say potato and leek soup? Because I've never seen that. Ever. Because that <laughs> is the name that I learned. <laughs> that is the name that I learned it under. So it's like but it's just potatoes and leeks, man. <laughs> because Listen. I was confused. I thought it was potato, like because I thought of the Ashi Parmentier, which is shepherd's pie, I guess, like a version of shepherd's pie. I guess that's the best translation I found for it. Um, Listen, where you have you have meat <laughs> and then you have potatoes on top of it, and you put it in the oven, and there you go. So I thought. When you said potato soup and potage parmentier, I thought it was a soup with mashed potatoes and meat in there. And I was like, that sounds disgusting. 
That's just a beef stew. Yeah, but that's Parmentier. I know that. I just, I know it without. That's what I learned that it's called. It, I, I totally spaced to on it because. What do you mean? They lied. Why? Well, because I've never heard anybody calling it that. Oh, maybe. Well, I'm going to fact check myself now. So just one sec. No, but you're right. I, I typed that into Google and I find all of these French articles talking about potage parmentier. So I'm not well, saying then... you're wrong. I'm saying it's so weird because who are these people that came up with this? It, it was invented by, it was popularized by the guy who like made potatoes super common in, friend, in France and made it like haute cuisine and all of that. Uh, parmentier. And I, I, okay, so... I fact-checked myself, and so the reason why I call it that instead of, I guess, defaulting to potato leek soup, and this is why nomenclature is very important, people, um, is because I learned it through Julia Child's cookbook, and she like only refers to it as potage parmentier, probably to make it seem fancier than it really is, which is a trend in French cuisine, especially French mm -hmm. cuisine that people in English-speaking countries like to popularize. I think we talked about this earlier where it's like ratatouille is not that fancy, but we nah. think it's fancy because it sounds fancy. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, uh, I can't wait to pull that out. I have this really good chicken pot pie recipe that I made myself and like curries, curries are amazing for fall because like they're still kind of like light and you can add a ton of veggies that are still in season and but it's also like the sauce is like really creamy and I love it. Mm. And then um, chili, like a oh yeah, chili con carne, like a big okay. pot of homemade chili. I have a question: When you make chili, yes, do you put corn in it? You can. I don't normally, just because that's not the recipe that I grew up with and that I was taught. Okay, okay. but like you totally can. I mean, corn can go in anything, really, if you really want it to be. Well, I'm just asking because my mom has this thing about, like, when she makes chili, uh, which, first of all, like, I, I don't know. I would love to invite, like, our neighbors to have dinner at home when she makes chili because it's not really a French thing at all. Um, mm -hmm. She just learned to make it when she was, you know, running the American bar in Brussels in the 80s. Uh, and so since then, she's been following the same kind of recipe. And I remember the one time it, it started really coming to France. You could find it already made, you know, but in cans or like some restaurants, well, restaurants <laughs> would have it. Um, and she would see corn on the can of the chili. And it was like, they've just ruined her day. <laughs> you know, she was like, how dare they put corn in chili? That's not how it is. And I was like, what? So. Yeah, okay. I see where you're coming from on that because I think that even here in the States, if you're not used to having a lot of Tex-Mex and Mexican food, anything with corn in it, I guess, kind of defaults to being like, oh, it's like Mexican-y, I guess. Mm. And I also did hear that like a lot of that, like the default idea of chili is stuff like with corn and rice. Like I know in Denmark, they have this localized version of chili where you have to have it with rice and you have to have it with corn. And I'm like, I, I guess that's a, t a kind of chili. It's not like any chili I've ever really had, but mm. you know, yeah. But, but what I love to do 
to kind of throw it out there is uh, I dice up an onion and I brown a pound of ground beef in a big pot. I throw in the onion and then once that's all browned up, I throw in a can of uh, rinsed red kidney beans, uh, unrinsed chili beans, and a can of pinto beans. You can also Mm. add in black beans if you want. Then what else was it? Uh, you add in like two cans of tomato sauce and you add in like equal amount of water. Normally I just rinse out the cans and pour them into the pot. Then you add in, I want to say like two or three tablespoons of chili powder and you let that kind of uh, stew and bubble up. You can also add a ton more veggies. Like um, I also like to add in bell pepper sometimes, zucchini, Mushrooms are honestly pretty good in chili just because they really take well to soups, in my opinion. So you let that simmer and, like, get all incorporated. And you basically, you have to let the flavors develop. Like, uh, don't be afraid to go to go in on the chili because chili powder is not really that, like, spicy as in, like, piquant, like a spicy mm. spice. But it is, like, very warm and, like, earthy and you get a lot of really good depth of flavor in it. It's it's like chili is kind of like a very simple stew to make. So and like with this, you get like a lot of it. And I like to have it in the fridge for lunch. And it's just you can even freeze it. It freezes really well. And then I just pull out of the freezer when I'm like, "Mm, I don't really know what to cook right now. It's like December and I'm tired and cold. So there you go. Like. I'm really thinking ahead for when it's super cold out because when it gets colder and darker out, I lose all motivation. Yeah. So I'm just like, what can I do to be healthy but also to be warm and cozy and lazy during the winter? I feel like I get like a pass to be a little bit more lazy during the winter. Um, but that's a little, I'm getting ahead of myself. It's still, <laughs> it's it's late August, but I'm, We're I'm not so even excited in September yet. That. I know, yeah. but I love fall and I can't wait for it. So, yeah. I, I have another question about food really quick. Mm-hmm. I could not believe my eyes the other day when I went to the store and guess what I saw. If she actually gets uh, it right, I will be like so surprised. I'll give you a hint. Yeah. It's green, but it's also yellow. A bell pepper? No, but that was a good guess. But no. Hmm. Uh, I give up. What is uh, it? Corn on the cob. Because, let me tell you, we do have corn in this country, obviously. Obviously. To find actual corn that is still in the husk is crazy. And I just walked into this store, and here they they were, and all of their, like, Leafy, hairy, husky (laughs) glory. And I was like, girl, is that some corn on the cap? What? And I was like, I looked and it was corn. And I was like, holy shit. And second surprise, it came from France, which means, which I mean, I guess they grow corn in France. That makes sense. But like, like, dude, like, usually you find it in cans. Mm -hmm. Or like, you might be able to find it already cut into sections, you know, but I really like the idea of taking the husk off of it and having it like whole, you know? Yeah. And so they were like, okay. 
Were they expensive? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, okay. They weren't even organic, and they were like, how, how much would it be in dollars? Wait. wait I'm going to be wait, honest. Euros to dollars. I'm just going to throw this out there. I think, I think organic food is completely unnecessary. I don't get the whole thing around it. GMOs, like all cultivated and agricultural, like cultural food is mm. genetically modified because that's mm. how we grow things. Like I get the whole thing around pesticides, but people really need to stop being afraid of GMOs, especially since climate change is kind of here to stay. That's, that's yeah. my two cents about that. But well. honestly, it makes total sense that it would be not common in France because I only learned this recently and I thought it was really cool. Corn is a very American thing. Oh, yeah. And by that, I don't mean like US. I mean like the Americas because it was cultivated and like genetically modified as it was cultivated through the centuries in like Mesoamerica, like by Aztecs and by the Maya and all of that. And it was developed by humans. Like there is no such thing as wild corn or wild maize, I guess, because it was developed from the seeds of a grass. So corn is made by humans it's also the most widely cultivated uh grain in the entire world most of the world's beef and chicken is fed on corn and it's fascinating i didn't know this about corn but i guess i now have a mm -hmm. newfound appreciation for things that are made out of corn yeah well but and it also makes sense why it wouldn't be that common in france because yeah, it's but american yeah, but just to be clear, though, I, I mean, I do remember growing up with corn. I'm not saying we didn't have it at all. Like, it's not well, like yeah. a luxury. Um, like, I remember in schools, we would have corn. I guess, though, it's true that I've never eaten so much, like, corn as when I was in the States. For yeah, sure. Everything is made out of corn. Everything if it's not is wheat, corn. it's corn. <laughs> and also, like, whenever you have a barbecue, you got to have corn on the cob. And I really miss it. And so yeah. I just put the pricey thing into Google. And they were uh, $1.39 US dollars per piece. That's not too bad. That is kind of expensive for corn. Because, like, here during the summers, even in Washington, it's like they can't give this stuff away. They can't give this shit away because I can swear on my own podcast, I guess. Uh, <laughs> like it's like 50 cents or like even I saw as low as exactly. like 38 cents, a, like a, yeah. a year of corn. So it's cheap. And here it's like $1.39 for one year of corn. But isn't like everything a little bit more expensive when it comes to fresh produce and stuff like that in France? Or am I totally Are you off? kidding? It's completely the opposite. Really? I remember I, like I have this, I have this picture of my mom in the states when she was visiting me she really liked <laughs> to visit supermarkets not that, that we didn't have food at home she just wanted to go see the prices and see what was available and i remember she visited me and um i was already i think i was already living in washington at the time and i have this picture of her in the frozen section and looking at like half a pound of green peas Mm -hmm. and her face says it all like she's looking at the price like what the fuck is this bullshit and then i remember she looked at me and she was like why are vegetables even frozen vegetables so expensive over here and i said now mom do you understand why i tell you it's hard to eat healthy and she was like yeah yep. <laughs> yeah now i get it actually yeah yeah, yeah i totally get it now and that mm -hmm. is true it is 
it is really hard to eat super healthy here. And Mm -hmm. I've been telling you, I've been really trying to pay attention to what I eat. And honestly, the hardest thing is to keep sodium down because honestly, it's everywhere. And you're really not supposed to have that much. But like Mm -hmm. in so many foods that would kind of like help me to get to like, I'm aiming for like 2100 calories a day. But even that sometimes is hard to plan for and also make sure that I don't have like a shit ton of sodium. It's insane. But on that note, no, like, but wait, because yeah. I told you the backstory. I didn't ask you my question. How do you recommend that I eat those, like, corn on the cob? Because I usually just put butter and a little bit of salt. Do you have, like, a better recipe? Oh, I do. I do, I do, I do. Um, I did this at the 4th of July, and hold on with me here. So um, there's this thing called elotes, and they're Mexican, and they're kind of like Mexican corn on the cobs, and you, like, coat them in mayo and cotija cheese and, like, chili powder. That's not what I'm suggesting, although you can totally do that. Um, but, like, for a really good corn on the cob, I do – you brush them in some mayo. Mm-hmm. You don't really need to use salt if you use mayo because there's, like, a good amount of salt in mayo. Mm-hmm. Um and then you dust it with a little bit of chili powder, some seasoned salt. Um, I definitely recommend things like what else would go with that? I think maybe a little bit of rosemary, just a tiny bit. Uh, and mm. then you wrap it up in tinfoil and you you either hmm, roast it. Like roast it on the rack of the oven. Like don't put it on a tray. You put it directly on the rack of the oven and you let it roast for, I want to say like, only like a good half an hour. Like it doesn't take that much to cook corn on the cob. Uh, And then you get this really nice caramelization, like from the contact with the foil. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, because it'll kind of steam itself. I'm sure you know, like, but it'll steam itself. And like the flavor from the mayo will really kind of go into the corn and the corn will kind of like, it'll mix together and the seasonings will go really well. Also, if you don't want to use butter, I also recommend olive oil. Olive oil tastes really good with corn. Oh, okay. Uh, but, like, everyone's used to using butter. Uh, so, like, some butter. I definitely recommend some, like, a little bit of spices. Like, especially yeah. just a dash of chili powder. Okay, I have to find chili powder. Mm-hmm. I might have some. Okay, okay. Well, I'll, I'll try it because I probably have I to mean, eat that tomorrow. I mean, do, is the gojujang that you have, is that, like, in powder or paste form? Oh no, that's in uh, that's in paste. You know what? Here's an idea. I think you should take like a teaspoon of gojujang and mix it with like I don't know how many ears of corn you have. A, a teaspoon is a lot. Uh, a quarter I only of have a teaspoon. Two. I only have okay. two. Like a like a little tiny dab of it, but you mix it with like two to three tablespoons of mayo, so you have like a spicy mm. mayo, and then you cook it in that. Oh, I'll try that. Yeah, because that way you'll get like all of the like the flavor from it in with the corn and it'll be really good. Basically, I'm learning that spices and seasonings make anything taste good. Mm. So, Well, that's true. <laughs> my mom, you know how earlier when we we're talking, my mom was like, and then I'm going to go have dinner because Camille made like Korean food, which is just, you know ramen and uh, she made it with like a lot of spices and I was like yay and then she actually ate it and it's the same thing we ate last night so that last night the broth because I, ha- I had added gochujang to it it was pretty uh, thick so today I mm-hmm. wanted to add some more broth and kind of dilute it a little bit because I love broth like 
any broth. Mm-hmm. Freaking, I love broth. So, yeah, you're very wasn't... French in that way. You oh, love soups. I'm so, oh my God, soups, <laughs> but especially broth. Like, it's just, I have this thing, <laughs> like, it warms my heart to just be drinking hot broth. Even if it's not spicy broth, I don't care. That's also why I love pho, because it's just like, mm. but anyway. What's that phrase? Like... Mange, mange ta soupe? Mange ta soupe, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And so, <laughs> So I'm watching her eat, you know, today and like she's done with her noodles and she decides to start drinking the broth. And my poor mom just starts choking. And I was like, oh, my God, are you OK? And she was like, she's she laughing at this, folks. She, <laughs> I remember her face and she looked like a lost little kid and like her eyes were watery and she was like, that's just very spicy. <laughs> but that's what we had yesterday. It's even more diluted than yesterday. And she's like, yeah, but yesterday I didn't actually have that much broth in my plate and I wanted to drink it. But oh my God, Camille, it's like way too spicy. And I was like, I'm so sorry. You sounded so excited about it when you told Devin about it. And now you're like red in the face and suffering. I am so sorry. So she gave it to me and I drank it. So I was happy. Oh, I hope your mom got something for dinner, though. Well, no, she had just finished her noodles and everything. So she was just drinking the broth left over, see? But when she was eating the noodles, she didn't feel the spice that much. And it's when she decided to drink the broth that she was, like, kicked in the face uh, with, you know, a kimchi gochujang, like, broth, Mm -hmm. like, bang. But (laughs) I just had a really cool idea. So, you know, do you know what gazpacho is? Do you know what gazpacho is? Yes. Well, I think it might be cool if you made it as as gazpacho, but you made it with a little bit of gochujang, like a spicy cold soup that you have for like lunch. That sounds really good, like really well seasoned. And it's like, because like the coldness of the gazpacho, you're getting a ton of veggies and it's like really good. And like gochujang goes really well with tomatoes. So like you make a, like a good batch of gazpacho and you make it spicy. So it'll be cold, but you get like that hit of heat and it'll be like a nice like balance to it. No? I feel like you're going <laughs> to, I feel like for the next week or two, I'm going to keep receiving messages from you telling me to add gochujang to whatever the hell I'm cooking. Camille, yeah. I had this idea. So next time you eat cereal, <laughs> you should put a little bit of gochujang in the milk. That way you get the sugar and the spice and everything nice and it's gonna be perfect listen cooking is about the balance of salt <laughs> fat acids and heat you know like netflix and it's all us. about experiencing <laughs> with food okay but no well, i love doing that i love like oh how can i use these different types of like how can i use this ingredient in a lot of different stuff and like i think that's a good skill to have and does that mean you don't want me to tell you cool ways to use your amazing, like, no, Korean you spice paste? You can. Okay. You, you can. I just, well, I have to be honest, though. I've never made gazpacho. I usually, we usually just buy it already made. Is that, like, a big deal? No. Okay, good. I'm not a few. I, here's the thing. And I think this is going to be surprising to people who have been listening to me talk about food. I'm not a purist when it comes to if it's store-bought or if it's, like, not authentic or if it's, like not like super expensive like if it tastes good and you feel good eating it enjoy it like i don't make 
refried beans from scratch every time. I don't really care if it's super authentic Mexican food. I'm just like, okay, does it taste good? How can I, can I make this at home? What are the shortcuts that I can do? There are some things where I'm like, this is better if I do it this way, but you know, mix and match. Just don't be appropriative about it. That's really the only I mean, boundary I have. You say that, but I know you, Devin. I know, you know, that then you're going to find their address and you're going to hunt them down. I don't appreciate you lying to our audience. <laughs> I'm not lying. I, okay, <laughs> I I'm going to be honest. I know you're not. I used to be like that a lot more. <laughs> uh, and even when we first met, I had mellowed out quite a bit. Because I used to be like super on top of shit. But that was also when I believed that you had to speak proper language. And like, but then I learned about linguistics and how linguistic prescriptivism is bullshit. Quote me on that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, I also think adding some spice, I'm just in favor of like adding seasoning to anything at this point. Um, I wonder like what would happen if you add some seasoning to something like a ratatouille, just make it super flavorful and stuff, you know? Not that yeah. it's not already flavorful. But I'm not adding again... chuchang into my ratatouille. No, I'm not suggesting no. that. I don't <laughs> know if the flavor no, would some... work that no. well. No. But no. you got to admit, I think it would work really well as like a marinade. Like for tofu mm. or for like chicken. I, maybe beef. I think beef would go pretty well with gojujang now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing with that paste is that it is like spicy but it's also what adds a lot of flavor to things that's why i discovered like you know you might put it like if you're um putting veggies into a wok and doing like a stir fry kind of thing you might want to add some gochujang to it because the spiciness of it will kind of get cooked out of it but you'll Mm -hmm. be left with like all of these flavors and it's that's what i'm saying yeah good it's so good yeah but anyway, talking about spicy things, I don't know how to do a transition today. Um, do you want me to try and hack at it? Like, we'll leave yeah. that in. I really want to leave that in. But, <laughs> okay. Speaking of French food and French-related things that are spiced up by people, like foreign people coming and visiting, um, we're going to be talking about another movie that I told Camille to watch last week, and she watched it. Mm-hmm. Yay. And we're going to talk Yay. about it. So welcome back to the transatlantic pop culture corner with Camille and Devin. Mm -hmm. Uh, This week, we are going to be talking about the movie How to Steal a Million, which is a, I want to say it's a 1967. Um, Let me double check. Okay. One sec. 66. 66. It was in 1969. Yes. Yes. So How to Steal a Million is a 1966 American heist comedy film. It was directed by William Wyler and it again stars the queen, Audrey Hepburn. It also stars Peter O'Toole, Eli Wallach, Hugh Griffin, and Charles Boyer. So this movie was set and filmed yet again in Old Paris. Although everyone is again speaking in English. So, you know, Camille's ideal situation. In French, you mean, what? Wait, well, you said you they know. were again speaking in English, but they were all speaking no. English. I said again they're speaking in English. Like ah, in I thought you meant they were against speaking in English. And I was like, I didn't see anybody arguing. Okay. That's a bit weird. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. So like this movie, uh, like the last movie, it involves like a heisty situation and a little bit of romance. And of course, Audrey Hepburn giving us her full witty, humorous uh, sass, so to speak. So again, as like a brief synopsis, this movie is about the exploits of Nicole Bonet and her very eccentric art forger father, Charles Bonet, who who forges and sells um, artwork, and that's how he made his fortune. She's kind of against it, uh, kind of one of that kind of that results of like a very eccentric father producing a very conventional. Uh, child in reaction to being you know so eccentric and crazy like she's very honest to a fault she holds down a job even though she technically doesn't have to work she lives with her father in her in his mansion in Paris and she's like papa you have to stop forging this stuff um so one night she is hanging out at home after one of their like family heirloom forgeries is being put on display, which she is against. And she hears someone downstairs and she goes down to investigate. And there is someone who is stealing the family Van Gogh, which is not really an actual Van Gogh. It is her, one of her father's forgeries. She threatens him and she says like, what are you doing? Why did you go for that painting in particular? And in the, in the confusion and in her fright, because she's holding like one of those like comically awkward antique pistols that she just grabbed off the wall that was a decoration like to intimidate it she didn't know it was loaded and she accidentally shoots the guy and is then introduced <laughs> to Simon Dermot who is who introduces himself as kind of like a professional high-end art thief and she's like look if I dress up your wound and I drive you back to your hotel, like, can we just forget this whole thing happened? I'm tired and I have to work in the morning, which honestly, what a mood. So she does. And she just like tears off through Paris. She is a crazy driver in like the best way. Like, I think Camille, you told me that you love seeing her drive. (laughs) I just felt like I Um, couldn't relate. I remember people being so scared of my driving and I was like, yes, Audrey, go mm -hmm. drive like a crazy person in Paris do like go go around around about twice yes that mm-hmm. makes sense yeah so <clears throat> she takes him back to his hotel which is none other than the very famous and extremely bougie ritz hotel at the place vendome in paris and <laughs> surprisingly he turns around and kisses her good night and she's a little shell-shocked by this and goes oh okay uh, he's very charming in a very rakish, confusing way for her. So not only that, uh, so she meets so she meets this art thief guy and who is actually an insurance investigator because he was trying to see if whether or not the paintings were a forgery. So, you know, there's some trouble down the road there, I guess. But in bigger news, this family Cellini Venus which is a forgery that has gone on display at one of the like prestigious museums of the city. Um, it needs to be evaluated for insurance purposes, but part of doing that involves, you know, checking its authenticity, which if you did, <laughs> it would be categorically obvious that this is a forgery, a very good forgery, but a forgery nonetheless. 
And if her father is caught with having a forgery, not only does that put him in a lot of trouble, but it also calls into question whether or not any of the other multiple million dollar art pieces he sold are also real. So it kind of threatens everything. So he is crushed and is very fatalistic in that very over-the-top eccentric father kind of way. We all know the type, right? I guess. <laughs> and uh, it's very funny. They have a very cute relationship, I will say. Like, you, like it, they're very charming together. And she grounds him, but mm -hmm. he's also kind of like a... He's a lovable man-child, but like not in the way where it's like, I need to fix him. But like in the way it's like, you're set in your ways, you've gotten this far, it's like you're high energy, but I can deal with it type of thing. So anyway, she starts frantically casting about it, like how the hell is she going to stop the inspection from revealing that this is a forgery and her father's going to go to jail and all of that. And she's technically an accomplice. Um, but, you know, lucky for her, she met an art thief who's living at the Ritz. So she tears off and she's like, okay, you're a professional art thief, right? And he's like, well, yes, yes, I am. She's like, great. Can you help me steal a piece of art? And he's like, sure. What do you need? I need you to steal the Cellini Venus from this, from the Kleber Lafayette Museum. You mean your own family's treasured Cellini Venus? Yes. Don't ask questions. And he's like, I think you got the wrong guy, lady. Mm -hmm. um, but she begs very uh charmingly i would say but it's it's abject begging at one point i think she's on the floor just like please please <laughs> and he's like okay here's the plan so they sneak into the museum at night and hide in a broom closet as the museum is closing the trick uh, about they hide in the chimney well, first they hide in, in the a chimney, chimney and, then... and then in a safe. Was it like a safe or some shit? No, yeah, it was a broom no, that closet, was a I guess. yeah, yeah. So they hide in that, and the trick with this though is that there is this special like laser trip wire alarm around around the Venus. So if you go within a certain radius of it, it'll trip these laser wires, or yeah, and this god-awful super obvious can hear it from marseille like mm -hmm. alarm will start chiming and they'll be caught so what he does is he takes this boomerang and he throws it into the laser catches it they scramble back into the fucking closet and cause a huge hullabaloo like the police mm -hmm. show up the guards run around through the entire museum like chickens with their head cut off and if it's like a false alarm to them no one's in this museum except them like this stupid laser went off it woke up half of paris they do this three times and the third time they wake up the president who calls the head guard and he's like yes sir of course sir i'm so sorry your excellency your excellency yeah yeah and he's like that's it i'm turning it off and he turns off the alarm and of course what do they do at that point they swap out the venus for a bottle of wine very french yep so as they're as they are coming in 
as the cleaning staff are coming in for the morning before the museum opens, she slips out and pretends to be a cleaning lady and hides the Venus in like a bucket. He kind of uh, scooches his way through some nooks and crevices around so he won't be seen by anyone and hides out and steals a guard uniform. This is all very funny, by the way. It's like almost mimish in how it turns mm -hmm. out. And so the guards walk out like very browbeaten from this whole thing. The head guard looks out, looks at the wine bottle, like looks as though like it's that classic look of, oh my God, I fucked up. <laughs> oh my God, I fucked up. He races to go turn the alarm back on and he snaps at one of like his comic sidekick who apparently is this very famous French comedian named Moustache. Mm. He's like, just get rid of the bottle. And so he's so he's, he grabs the bottle and it sets off the entire alarm all over again. And so they're victorious and they rush out of the museum and they um they resolve one of the side plots by getting rid of the Venus by giving it to this super wealthy noob like millionaire who has been going after Nicole. Well, they're like, engaged. <laughs> Well, yeah, but she only agreed to get engaged to him to get rid of him because she was late for meeting him, for meeting Simon at the I museum. I know, but it was so is... funny because when she does meet Simon at the museum, he's like, my goodness, where were you? And she was like, oh, I was just getting engaged. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, very, like, offhand. So, like, they get rid of him by selling him the Venus. And she also gets out of that engagement like don't feel sorry for him he's kind of a he's kind of a dork yeah and like not a fun way and so all's well that ends well and surprise surprise they fall in love and they elope uh she does confess to him though or he does confess to her though that he's actually not a thief and so he had no idea what he was doing the whole time they were in this high stakes heist uh, and he's actually an insurance agent and an expert art evaluator <laughs> with like three master's degrees. And so she yeah. goes uh, and tells her father and he goes and tells him, look, I'm younger than you. One of us is going to have to retire. I think it should be you. And he's like, you know what? Fair. So, you know, all's well that ends well. Nicole learns how to be a liar <laughs> and a thief. <laughs> He learns to loosen up a bit, and her father learns the error of his ways, apparently. Um, or maybe not, because as they're leaving to elope, this guy who had previously showed up trying to buy the fake Van Gogh like, is like, hey, I'm your cousin, wink, wink. And he looks at Nicole, Simon looks at Nicole and goes, who is that guy? And Nicole goes, um, he's just a cousin Papa's from South cousin. America. He's like Papa's cousin. <laughs> You know, for someone who's not that good at lying, you're getting rather good at it. And she's like, oh my god, thank you, and kisses him on the lips, and they drive off. <laughs> yeah, they drive off to go get married. This is the second movie I've seen with her in it. It's the second movie where she gets married to a man that she barely knows. I, I know it was the 60s, and it's Hollywood, and it's movie, and it's whatever, but oh my god, what the fuck? Am I the only one thinking that's just so weird? Especially... When, at some point, I think in the movie, when the American is like, you know, now they're like, he's asking her to marry him. And she's like, but I don't even know you. Like, we've barely known each other. Like, why would I marry you? And then 
like an hour later she's like all right let's go let's get married like no you don't know this other guy either you've only stolen a statue together i mean she also shot him i think that can be a very far uh, <laughs> i think that can be a very strong foundation for a long-lasting that's, love <laughs> that's grounds for divorce before you even get married <laughs> no no anyway i know it's all for the romance of it all but i was just like really like because i and it's still a thing today you know it's like you cannot have two main characters that are men and women and not have them be together or like mm-hmm. be exes or something and it always makes me just so i wouldn't say like so mad but i'm just like really come on you know first of all why is it always straight people and also like why why can't we just have people be friends like shit Women don't owe you anything. But that's a discussion for another day. So, no, I really enjoyed that movie. Uh, I thought it was funny. And uh, I still like Charade better. I don't know why. I think Charade was funnier in terms of Audrey Hepburn's humor. Mm -hmm. And like I've told you, Devin, also, I have a thing about people saying papa. (laughs) Papa. I don't know why. Where is it that I've heard it before? I, I we usually like hear it a lot in um like um I don't know how you call them uh period pieces you know like yeah, Pride and Prejudice very, like, yeah all of it's that. very it's very Jane Austen the Crown yeah. Downton Abbey type of thing like oh Papa so, and it bothers me <laughs> I'm not it's not it's not a French thing of but that's not how it's pronounced that's not that's not why I'm upset it's just to me I've associated it with rich snobs wannabe royalty bourgeois assholes papa it, I, don't, I don't like it i don't like i it. guess yeah i guess that makes sense but then again i normally don't like it either and i think that whole background that you gave is why i i think it's funny for this movie because if you think about it also her dad is kind of a parody of that you know yeah he's very nouveau riche um, but like not in the good way. <laughs> yeah. Like he's yeah. still charming though. Like he's charming despite that. It's not because he's rich that he's likable. We like him because he's a thief and you know, like And a talented like a... one at that. I'm sorry, but oh, yeah. I, I honestly like well, I wouldn't like to get involved in that kind of field, but I feel like the people who can recreate paintings, like that's insane. Like that's yeah. so much work. Because I know that usually in art school, you learn to recreate the masters, which is already kind of dumb, you know, please encourage people's creativity instead. But um, it's... Well, I think it's more for, like, technique. No, but no, they also just make you copy it because they don't want originality. That, that was a big, big thing. That's how we ended up with uh, Picasso and all of those folks, you That's know. And, right. and even, even the Impressionists. You went to art school. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, please don't remind me. Uh, so, no, so even the, um, the Impressionist movement, because they, they didn't want to keep basically recreating the work of the masters the people considered the masters at the time you know of uh, angels and scenes from the bible and you know naked women galore and all of that and so they just went to do their own thing and at the time it was seen like this awful kind of painting you know you can't do that what is that kind of impressionist bullshit 
like the the paint like the paint uh, strokes you know the brush strokes are not good we don't like that blah, blah blah it goes against all traditions blah 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 and turns out it completely changed art and how we look mm-hmm. at art now um so for people to be able to recreate that today actually be able to recreate brush strokes from people who no longer exist and never taught them directly just by analyzing and studying a painting or any work of art, you know, sculptures or whatever, that's incredible to me. Like the eye that you must have for it. That's yeah, that's crazy. I think they do touch on that in the movie a little bit. Like toward the beginning, there is a scene between Nicole and her dad when he's Mm. up in his like little art attic lair. Oh yeah. And he's like, Van Gogh did not work as hard to recreate Van Gogh. And (laughs) she goes rather like, exhaustedly that's because he was van gogh like (laughs) (laughs) yeah or like you know when she comes to like kiss him in that same scene like kiss him hello or something and he's like oh no you know i've got um, my hands are full of paint and she answers and money (laughs) i was like yes well that's true too you are drowning in money but uh yeah yeah must be nice must be although i do love how she okay I don't want to glorify rich people working because it glorifies hustle culture and makes them seem like they earn their money, which it, you know, perpetuates the cycle of generational wealth and like income disparity, Mm -hmm. getting that out of the way. I do like how she seems to know and she owns up to the fact like I'm only rich because my family are a bunch of liars and she doesn't like that. And she does Mm -hmm. have a job, which people comment on. She's like, you live in like Simon's like, wait, Wait, okay, let me let me go back. Like after she dresses up his wound, after she shoots Simon. <laughs> it's very funny. Um she goes, Okay, let's go I'll take you home real quick. I have I have work in the morning. And he goes, You have work in the morning? You have a job? And she looks at him and goes, You know, some people do. <laughs> <laughs> and I just found it very, like, very charming in that way, because it's like, yeah, that that fits. Like, Audrey Hepburn plays very likable characters because she's just very likable. Yeah. No, so it was was good. But um, what is is my mission for next week now? Funny you ask what we're doing, what I'm going to have you watch next week, because I'm going to be honest and say I don't know yet. Um, This has kind of been the tone of this episode. We're just hanging out. And so I didn't really come in with a plan. Uh, My bad. Um, But... I think it's going to be a surprise. So, and if you have any ideas, our dear listeners, let us know because we are very open to that. And this episode will be out in time for us to try and get some feedback. So if you really want us to watch something in particular within reason, let us know. Um, But yeah, this has been like, we're just having a very chill and relaxing episode. Yeah, I'm thinking of it as like, we're just curling up and like sipping cups of coffee next to each other in a kitchen while it's raining outside, like very low energy, very cozy, just having fun together, you know? Oh my God. I can visualize it. I know. Right. Mm. By the window. 
you know i had this whole like i had this whole image of us in front of my eyes like uh so nice and comfy and then you started singing and it all shattered and i was like what yikes okay cool 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 No, it's not, I'm not saying anything. It's not like mean. I don't mean it like in a mean way. I just mean that for me and my vision of this scene, it was more of like a lo-fi kind of piano. Oh my God, kind yes. Of like, you know, and then you went with Actually, yeah, never mind. And I was like, what? Never mind. Yeah, I go straight for lo-fi. I've actually been listening to a ton of lo-fi this week and it oh, is a so lifesaver good. in terms of like it's so staying good. focused and relaxed. It's so nice. Or being able to sleep. It's helped me fall asleep before. Like when you have like lo-fi with like rain in the background kind of thing. Yes, oh man, that's yes, yes. so relaxing. Yeah. So that's why when you started singing, it it was like, wait, what? Like a record scratch? Like I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. But what is that song? Uh, I think it's like a. It's just like one of those famous old jazz standards. I know it from oh. Edith. I know it because Edith Piaf did a pretty good version of it, and like there was a point in time when it tugged at the heartstrings a little bit for me. I can kind of empathize mm-hmm. with that song. Um, so it's a pretty good song. I, I honestly don't listen to that much Edith Piaf anymore just because I'm not like that emotional about anything in my life anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, kind of like how I don't listen to that much Adele, but it's a good song. You know, it's very yeah. autumn, but like for but, a specific yeah. kind of autumn. One with leaves. Well, more like one after you have like a very intense summer fling and you both have gone your separate ways and you're like, okay with it, but like, you're still like a little sad about it. I don't think that's ever happened to me. I'm so lucky. I I like the memory of it, you know, to kind of reveal a little bit. But anyway, (laughs) I think that's a good point to stop. Um, (laughs) Before we start talking about our summer flings. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Probably. Um, with that, thank you so much for listening to this chill, yes. laid-back episode of Transatlantic Confusion. This has just been very much a stream of consciousness conversation between me oh, yeah. and Camille. So thank you for coming along for the ride. Um, if you wanted to follow us on social media, you can definitely do that. We, as a podcast, are available on all major podcasting outlets, uh, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anchor where we record you can also follow us for updates fun memes and also where we're planning on posting more often on instagram at podcast transatlantic you can follow me devon at dev underscore moncada on most major socials and you can follow camille on instagram at confused underscore camille if you want to leave, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, that's also very appreciated. And if you'd like to send us feedback on social media, that would be appreciated as well. Because, you know, we love hearing your uh, ideas. And uh, like Devin said, you know, for movies, for topics, for badass of the week, which I wasn't able to do this weekend. I'm very sorry. It's because I had blah, 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 whatever. I have no good excuse. Um, and um, And yeah, so we look forward to seeing all of you guys next week i don't know (laughs) well i look forward to seeing you and they look forward to hearing from us well with that thank you so much for listening to transatlantic confusion stay curious stay confused and we will be back together next week all right all right a bientôt tout le monde have a nice week salut 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 bye bye devin salut
À bientôt, Camille. Salut. À bientôt. Love you. Bye.